Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Hallelujah. Well, let's remain standing a minute. Father, we love you tonight. We're so thankful for the Word. The Word feeds us. The Word feeds our spirit, renews our mind to think like you, to not think like men, but to think like you. And then the Word quickens our physical bodies so that we can not just live, but live in health and healing and strength. Hallelujah. As our days are, so shall our strength be. We thank you for the precious Word of God that tells us that. We stand on that every day of our life. I do. As my day is, so shall my strength be. Whatever the day requires, I have enough to do that. And some left over, thank you. Because you're a more than enough God. You're able to do beyond what I can ask and think. And we love you with all of our heart. I ask you to anoint me with fresh oil to minister to the people from the Word and by the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Father, for the ministry of the prophet. We thank you for the anointing in my room that we go to now as the pastor turned it over to me. We're in the room with the prophet. So it'll be a different room than a room for a pastor because that's not the same ministry gift. So we believe to see more in that room than we've seen before. And we thank you for it, that you're enlarging us on the inside to see more particularly what different gifts have and can do in their mantles. We pray that we get all that straight in our head, Father. There's so much confusion. So we thank you for good thinking and solid thinking on the Word tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Man, what a, yeah, he, pastor put it out. He said, you want to come preach? I said, I don't think so, but. <laughs> you know, we just have to be real sometimes. And say, I don't think so. I wanted to thank all of you. I just wrote myself a little sticky tab in the hotel today. You know, my wife, I just put, I uh, laid her to rest. She went to heaven two weeks ago on Friday. I guess that's coming up, be two weeks back. And uh, I wanted to thank all of you that came to the funeral. And I know everybody can't come to everybody's funeral. Let me express that. So if you didn't come, we're not fel- making you feel funny. But I appreciate those that made a trip to come and tell me they love me. And I appreciate many sent me cards. Many sent me uh, offerings in those cards. I didn't ask anybody to do anything. I don't ask people to do things. They can do whatever they please. But I just know this, that I was very encouraged by every card that I got, whether it had anything in it but just words or not, because words are important. So, you know, we're going to talk about healing tonight and health. And if I can teach it and think about it, by God, you should be easy to do. You didn't bury your mate, did you, in the last 10 days? Well, then I'd say you ought to be able to get even more out of this than me. So we're just talking here. You know, I, I made commitments all the way through things in life. Uh, let's, let's see where I want to go. I think maybe, let's go to Matthew 14. I'm going to start over there. Matthew 14. But I knew, I knew when my wife was leaving, I said to the devil, I'm going to punish you for this. So that's what I'm doing tonight. You may not see it, but he feels it real bad. Yeah. And I've been doing that for about 45 years almost. But anyway, we're just uh, paying attention. 
You need to pay attention. Yeah. No, God didn't teach me anything through that. That's not what he uses to teach the church. I'm going to talk to you tonight about that. You may be thinking stuff teaches you that the Bible doesn't teach. You may be letting the devil teach you stuff, and he's just beating the tar out of you every time he shows up. You need to start swinging back. Yeah. I guarantee you, if we tried to attack one of your children, you'd just about kill us to get us off, wouldn't you? Well, we need to be like that when the devil shows up. Don't let him come and do whatever he wants. He's only got one agenda, and that's death. Sickness, disease, weakness, impairments, death. Anyway, we're going to talk tonight about being perfectly whole. Now, let me say this before I get started. I always teach the standard, don't get offended, and not what you're walking in, or not what I'm walking in yet. Unless I'm walking in divine health every day I live, and I don't need anything but Jesus, then I'm not fully equipped yet. Are you listening? Got all your needs met? Pay all your bills? See, unless I'm walking in a level like that, I'm not walking in the fullness of much of anything. But see, that's where you have to stay with it. For goodness sake, learn to stay with it. I've seen so many quitters. You know, the failures, let, leave failure to the failures. I'm not looking for an excuse to compromise my teaching. And since you're not me, I'm just talking about how I feel about it. I'm doing my best to hold the integrity of God's Word up before people. I'm taking a lot of flack for it, my goodness, over the years. But we just keep on teaching it, and we gain new insight every time we teach it, whether people like it or don't like it, whether they believe it or don't believe it. I believe it, and I keep moving with him. <laughs> okay. So let's look here at 1 Matthew 14, 34 through 36 says, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, I point this out, they didn't just know about him, they had knowledge of him. It's different if you had knowledge about me and you'd never seen me, never been in my meeting, but you don't really know me yet. And you ain't going to know me after tonight, but you might know me a little better. <laughs> but this, what I'm trying to point out, they didn't just know about Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's Jesus. No, they knew something about him. What did they know? We're going to see it that he was a healer. And he was a healer of any disease, any sickness, any impairment, anything like that. Are you listening to me yet? Okay. Yet they weren't receiving, but they were getting ready to, because they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him, unto Jesus, all that were diseased. Now you need to get a hold of that. It wasn't like, well, you can have it, and you can have it, definitely not you, and definitely not you here. Three back there can have it, two over here can have it, the rest of you just don't have a chance. That's not what the Bible teaches. They said they went and got everybody that was diseased. Maybe they had a diseased foot, maybe they had a diseased brain, maybe they had a diseased heart, maybe they had liver problems, indigestion problems, cancer problems, skin diseases, eyes that didn't work right, ears that didn't work right, or something else. I'm trying to help you see that when they had, see, people that just know about Jesus don't do that. But when you know him and he's a healer and they got all the people that were diseased to come to his meeting on an equal basis. <laughs> I'm preaching pretty good already. <laughs> and besought him to Jesus that, that they might only touch the hem of his garment or, or maybe tonight one of the angels is going to touch you when we get to ministering or even while I'm speaking and then I may have a prayer line, probably will, because that's in my mantle. What does that mean? That's in my endowment. That's in my anointing. And if I don't do that, listen to me, 
I'm going to get in trouble with God. It's not, about, it's not about me. Listen, it's about the anointing on my life. And I'm responsible for that anointing to function. And not just function, but function more fully. Listen, and more accurately as a man of God as I grow older. And you have that too. I don't care if you're just a door greeter or a musician or a clown control or whatever they're doing there. You should be growing in your anointing and becoming more skilled at it and have more umph in it as you get older. You learn to skip the pitfalls and just get to it. Okay. So he says, they said that besought him that he might only touch, they might touch the hem of his garment. And that's a type of the anointing in a sense. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I love that term, perfectly whole. They didn't just get healed. They, it, they could be perfectly whole. I prayed for a lady one time had a bad heart and God gave her a new heart. She went back to the mm, cardio people, cardiac people, the specialist. They did every test on her they had done previously. And the guy put the film up on the lights. He said, this is your heart, Joyce, a month ago. This is your heart today. You can tell that's not the same heart. What in the world happened to you? Well, my pastor prayed for me, and God must have gave me a new heart. I don't know how he took that, but that's what happened. Yeah. I prayed for a lady one time, didn't know that she was getting this. I wasn't sure why she's in the prayer line. God gave her new female parts. A lot of things like that's happened. Sometimes the kneecaps were replaced. Anyway, I'm just talking to you here. Well, I never heard that before. There's a lot you haven't heard, and certainly a lot you haven't seen. Including me. So I'm saying that not to put you down, but to stretch all of us to believe for a different church service. So we don't just come in and do the same thing every time. And then go out, never change, never do anything with what we're learning. That's pretty pathetic. When you're in a word church. Now, if you're not in a word church, it don't matter anything. You're not going to get anything done anyway. But. But for those of us that want to move with Jesus and honor him, those kind of things need to happen. They must happen. Amen. Are you still here? Yes. I want you to notice this, as many as touch. There was no limitation on his ability to heal every one of them. And not just heal them, but cause them to be made perfectly whole. I prayed for a guy one time. I had a word of knowledge about a heart issue. I didn't know what exactly that meant. It just had to do with the heart, the physical heart. And uh, he was standing by me, but he was up there trying to help me at another church, you know, line people up when I gave words. And finally, I mean, I, I've said that out two or three times. Nobody responded. And I said to the Lord internally, if nobody comes the next time, I'm going to close the service and leave. And the, the Lord said, no, you're not. I'm, I'll hold you responsible to figure this out. Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> you talk to God like that sometimes. And uh, I said, okay, I'm going to have to just go take my seat if you don't respond. Somebody here has a heart issue and it's serious, and I want you to come in front of me so I can minister to you. God's going to heal you. Finally, this guy over here, finally, he caught up with me. I don't know what he was listening to. <laughs> he noticed nobody else was coming. And he came over and said, well, that may be me. And I slapped him once and said, why didn't you come the first time? <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> I said, what was your problem? He said, well, I have, uh, I have hardening of the arteries in my heart. I prayed for him. He fell out. I went on and named to other people, and somebody else took his place, and we just went ahead and finished the service. But in cases like that, when God says, no, you're not, 
uh, I could have done it anyway. You know, God, you don't have to do what God says if you want to be a failure. But if you're going to be disobedient, just be disobedient to the right person, the devil. You don't want to be disobedient to God. You just, you just uh, knocked out all your blessings and everything that went with them. And not because he did anything, you just made the wrong decision. Man, I'm preaching good. You're not saying much with me yet. I, okay. Let's go. I'm talking about being made perfectly whole. That's the theme tonight. I'm going to talk to you about divine healing, healing and health. Let's go back to Matthew 9 a minute. I'm interested to see what the... I got notes, but I don't know how much I'm going to use them. We'll see. They're good notes. Man, they really are good notes. <laughs> Let's see here. The Matthew 9, 35. And, and sometimes people wonder, well, why do you got to teach us? Why can't you just come out and do your thing? Well, I could, but that doesn't teach you anything. Per se, you can follow my example if you have an anointing to do that. Even if you don't have an, I have a tangible anointing that works through my hands when I'm in the Spirit. And it's not my gift, it's His gift in me. So if you get healed, don't tell them I healed you. Just say, Jesus healed me through a man of God. That's the right way to say that, you know. Don't be giving me credit for something I can't do. But then I'm not just with me when I'm in the Spirit. He's with me. <laughs> We're in there together. Boy, this is good. Matthew 9.35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching. Number one thing he did was teach. I'm answering the question. Sometimes people say, well, why do you have to teach so much? I have to teach because people don't know things. And there was a day when I didn't know anything either. And I had all the same questions everybody here is having or had or you still have. I don't know if you... I just know when I stayed with the Word, this will be 50 years this December. 45 years of full-time ministry. My wife and I crossed that threshold in August. That God's answered every question I ever had through His Word to me. Even some of them I didn't know I had when I was younger and dumber. But as I grew, I had new questions that came with that level. And then another question, then a new level came after that. And he, I just stayed with the Word, and he just began to show me the answers from his Word. Every single one of them. And there's always this disclaimer, too. You know, if, if it's not your business, he may tell you it's none of your business. Especially when people die. So I'm, I'm trying to help you here. But even if I don't know why they died, I know they're dead. And if God wants me to know, and I ask him about it normally, and sometimes he says, that's between me and them. So I just say, okay, I'm, I'm out of it. I did my part. I did the best I could do. I'm sorry it's going that way, but that's the way it went. I'm not just talking about my wife. I'm talking about anybody. So, see, we teach things and we go over these things repeatedly because people don't listen. Now, I'm in Matthew 9. I'm going to finish that. I'm going to veer off here for a minute. John 10.10. 10. You don't have to look it up if you don't want. I'm not going to turn there. But it says, The thief cometh but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, the thief is not Jesus, and the thief is not the Holy Ghost, and the thief certainly isn't God. <laughs> no, that's the devil. Yeah. What does he come to steal? Anything you'll let him steal. Yeah. Your health, your mind, yeah. your body, your children. Your income. And he makes a lot of people mental. This is the most mental generation I have ever been around. And the most 
Uh, what would I, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me, Father. Um, just got so much going on in their heads. It's a wonder people even find the church. I mean, really, you just got so much activity. You know, learn to ask God if that's something you should do. <laughs> How many are listening? Okay, four here, one there, two, three, four. Seven people all together. But Jesus went on to say in John 10, 10, so it's the devil. When, what does he come to steal? Anything you give him up to death. Is that's the highest thing he can do. And death is an enemy. God never intended for us to die, but Adam blew that for us. But still yet, in our redemption, in Christ Jesus, are you listening? You can live out your life. You can live out your life in the fullness of that, which I have found is 120 years if you want to live that long. If you want to live that long. I don't know that I want to live that long, but I found out I could if I do everything I need to do to maintain that. Not dying at 60 or 70. I already broke those barriers. But I didn't know that until I was 60 years old almost that I could live to be 120. I just studied my Bible and finally figured it out. Is anybody awake here tonight? Yeah. When I was a kid, people were dying, you know, 67. They act like you were ancient if you were 75 or 80. I mean, I'll be 75 in three more years. And then, uh, let's see, uh, 18 years, I will be 90. Praise God. But Jesus said, the thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come. Jesus has come. And when I say that, I don't mean just him. He did. The Holy Spirit's here with us now. And God the Father. And he says, I came to give you life. And life more abundantly. The Greek says, life till it overflows. So that would mean I have enough life of God in me that it's taking care of all the things that I need in my body. And I have enough money to pay my bills and plenty left over to bless humanity, bless the church. You know, fun projects and all kinds of stuff. All right. And then, you know, I have a healthy mind. I have a sound mind. Not a scattered mind. Not a depressed mind. Okay. Now, you remember I told you I just buried my wife. Are you paying attention or are you just acting funny? See, I preached this all these years. And it wasn't an easy thing. For her to go home for me to observe that and see that but that's the way it went so I certainly don't blame God he's not the author of stuff like that thank you so much Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people I want you to notice the format though is teaching preaching and then healing it wasn't healing and then teaching so this is part of the reason we teach. I'm teaching on healing tonight because that's in my mantle. I could have taught on angels. I know a little bit about them. And they're with me tonight. And they're with us tonight. But that's not what God told me to do. I just do what he tells me to do. And he said, I want you to teach on this. So I said, okay. So don't get tired of sitting and hearing something taught to you. You know, it's like me. I have a lot of DVDs of Dr. Dufresne. He was my spiritual father for 20 years. And he still is. He just lives in heaven. I don't talk to him every day. I want to clarify that. But he talks to me every day through his material. Uh, so, <sighs> hallelujah. <laughs> so, 
So we'll get tired of teaching. Well, what I'm going to say is I'll be watching him on a DVD, and I was in that service. He was standing right in front of me when he said that. And I would say to my wife many a time in the last 20 years, well, the last eight or nine years since he went home, I was sitting right here. I never heard him say that. Did you hear him say that? I don't know, honey. I never heard that. And I was sitting right there in front of him. So don't act funny when I say you don't know everything just because you've heard it maybe five or ten times. I don't think you're that brainiac people yet. And I'm not either. I'm a human. And you hear things repeated. And sometimes when it's repeated, the very same words were told to you the last 18 times. And finally it dawns on you. So don't, don't be irritated or aggravated that somebody wants to teach you something that you think you already know. You think you already know it. But we see your life and we know that's not happening. It's not like magic. We just sit, watch people live and a lot of people got issues. Now I'm not making fun of people with issues because I've had my share of them too. But I know that if I keep staying with God, it'll, it'll clear up for me. Things that used to bother me don't bother me. Things that I used to think about, I don't think about. And if I do, I cast down that imagination. I don't let it stay there and play with my head. Okay. So we're looking at things here tonight. You, you with me? All right. Let's, let's go over here for just a minute. Let's go to Psalm, uh, Psalms 107 and uh, verse 20. Psalm 107, verse 20. I want to read you a couple quotes here when we, after, before we look at this verse. Psalm 107 verse 20 uh, these are some quotes different people have said it says anyone can make divine healing difficult but it takes someone who knows what they're talking about to keep healing as easy and as simple as it is Amen. Good. I, let me say this to you if things are not simplistic to you it's not God because the Bible says we're to be sim simple in Romans. You don't got chapter and verse for all this. We, think we don't have 10 hours to teach you tonight. So we've got to get to the chase. And then uh, Kenyon said, E.W. Kenyon, all sickness and disease, disease is curable, but not all people are. Sickness and disease always obey God, but not all people obey. So, you know, if, I, if you were getting healed and you thought you understood healing and you thought you received it, First of all, you'd act different if you believed you received it. Whether you still had a symptom of it or not wouldn't, wouldn't matter because you're believing God. You're in the faith realm. There will always be a conflict between your feelings, my feelings, and the word of faith. Never confess your feelings. They weaken your faith. Are you listening? If you could talk about your feelings all the time, you'll weaken your faith. You'll break it down. Not in a good way, break it down. You break it down. All right, let's see. Brother Hagen says, after you receive your healing, you have a responsibility to keep it. Man, that's good. If symptoms try to come on me and it seems that they aren't leaving as quickly as they should, then I just double up on my medicine, God's Word. I go back to the same scriptures. I've been reading them for 50 years. Same scripture. I don't, I'm not looking for a new revelation. I may be looking to a more fuller revelation. Because I, when I was younger, I never dreamed that unforgiveness would be such a killer of humanity. If you're in unforgiveness, you're in trouble. 
And that, by that I mean bitterness, unforgiveness. You're mad at somebody. You hate somebody. You're always talking about them. You're always hateful about them. You're in trouble. You know, I mean, you're in trouble of dying because you, you can't, your faith won't work when you have, un, when you, have uh, you know, unbelief in your heart or fear or resentment or bitterness and stuff. You just got to forgive people. And listen, nobody deserves it. For you tell me they, they don't deserve it. That's not true. God made a provision for us to love people. So he must have thought they were worth it. I didn't mean I'm running to fellowship with people that are crazy. I don't do that. I don't waste my time with people that want to stay where they're at. However, I have an obligation to love them and do my part to see if I can help them in some way. Sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. Sometimes Jesus did and sometimes he couldn't because they wouldn't let him. It's what you let's going to happen. Not what Jesus can do, what you let him do. Man, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm going to have to get a pat on the back for that one. Come on, somebody. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Disease gains the upper hand when you agree with the testimony of your natural senses. Your five senses have no place in the realm of faith. Are you listening to me? I, I'm a very emotional person. I don't know about the rest of you. My son just preached a message on dealing with grief, and he talked about robot Christians. They don't have any expression for anything. You can tell them the whole family got wiped out in an accident last night. They don't even care. It's just, okay. And they don't have any joy. They don't have any expression. When everybody's running, clapping, screaming at church, they just sit there and look at everybody go by. <laughs> you can't live a very healthy life with no, no expression of anything. You do know that, right? Okay. All right. Now let's look at this here. I'm not going to preach real long tonight. I want to be going 15 minutes according to my watch. Unless I had a stopper in there. I don't. <laughs> Psalm 107, verse 20. It's one of my favorite verses. He sent his word and healed them. Now, I thought that was not written right at one time, and I looked it up in the Greek and 17 other translations, and it says what it says. I thought it says he sent his word to heal them, but he sent his word and it healed them. So the word is really the healer. And then he says, and delivered them from their destructions. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes our destructions are in the way we think about things, yeah. the way we talk about things, and the way we believe things. There's a lot of destruction in those three areas if we're not careful. But let me, let me show you what I got out of this at one time. I'm going to give you four things that Psalm 107 verse 20 does for us. It answers your questions. You know, normally you have questions when you, first, I grew up in the Baptist church, they didn't believe in healing one bit. Now, there might be some weird Baptists that do believe in it now, and I appreciate them. Are you listening? They didn't line anybody up and put hands on them. But here's the thing, if they did pray for them, they, they killed their prayer by saying, if it be thy will. Well, then just shut up and sit down. You don't know what you're doing. Why waste the preacher's time? Why waste the... And people tithe in a church like that. You can't even get healed. Give money to teach, to teach you how to die young. You're being rough. I'm not near as rough as I could be. Believe me. You don't know yet. He sent his word and healed them, delivered them from there. So the word gets us, answers our questions, whatever they may be. 
And once you get an answer from God, then you ought to settle that in your heart. It'll keep you healthy and keep you moving in health or help you move in the direction of being healed and stay with it. Number two, it feeds your faith. When you get in the Bible for yourself, you should have a Bible that you read daily. I don't even care if it's a living Bible, which isn't even a translation. You know, I'm, I'm smarter than people think I am, but I don't tell people about it because they don't care if I'm smart or not. So, but you know, even a living Bible, which is a, not a real translation of the Bible, but it has some good things in it, but that you read it every day. This is the thing you need to be reading, not somebody's newest, hottest book. I mean, if you want to read it, read it, but check them with the scripture to make sure they know what they're talking about. So it answers your questions. The word will answer your questions. And I put out by that every question. Number two, it feeds your faith. Your faith has to be fed. You know, there can be times in your life when you're really strong in faith because you've been feeding your faith. And you've been feeding your faith correctly. You're not trying to live out of Leviticus. Or Malachi. Or even the Gospels. You're living out of the New Covenant. That's over in Acts and following. That's where your Bible should be the most worn. Because I'm not an Old Covenant person. I'm under the New Covenant. I'm part of a royal priesthood. Alright. But you feed your faith on that. And get rightly divide the word. That's why I use Leviticus. You might get a little buzz out of it. But it's not enough to do what the book of Hebrews would do for you. Or Ephesians. Or Romans. That's where you need to spend your time. And that tells you what you already have in Christ. Leviticus wasn't in Christ. Okay. No, they were, they were in trouble. First of all, because of Adam. And then because they just began to be dull of hearing in things. God delivered them from Egypt, I mean, through miracle after miracle, and they got out there and they belly ached the whole time with Moses. Said, would to God we just died back there. And God heard them. And God said, I'm going to give you what you told me. You're all going to die out here in the wilderness. Only Moses, I mean, uh, yeah, Moses, well, he didn't get in the promised land either. Because he disobeyed God. But, you know, Joshua and Caleb. Because they said, we can do it. So you can see that criticism and stuff like that gets you in trouble with God. They're the ones that opened the gate for that to happen. But God was left without any recourse because they had violated the covenant and the curse came. I hope I'm, I know I'm making sense. You're not saying much, but number three, they, first of all, answers your questions. The word, it, you feed your faith. Number three, it puts you in a position to receive. Puts you in a position. See, this is one truth. I'm just going to talk about it for a minute. I want you to pay attention. Uh, Puts you in a position to receive. You need to realize you're not going to earn anything with God. I don't know where we get off. We, we, we feel like it, he owes us something. You don't want what you deserve. I'm not insulting you, but I don't want what I deserve. I want what's being offered. And what's being offered is the new covenant and all the promises attached to it. Which one of which, you know, you, you can pray, you believe, you receive, and have it. I mean, they got so many ways to get you healed in that new covenant. So it puts you in position to receive. And then somebody said, I remember one time, uh, somebody pulled a gun on me in the wilderness. <laughs> I was in Canada and threatened to kill me and a friend. And 
you know, guess what? I was not a saved man back then. I was a, I was a drug dealer. And I swore if I ever saw him again after that moment, I would kill him on the spot. I got married and told my wife that before I married her. She said, honey, honey, honey. <laughs> yeah. And one day I was at the Baptist church. Don't even remember what the preacher preached. It was on, a, it was on forgiveness. I came out of the Baptist church holding her hand. And I looked at her and I said, I have forgiven and named the man. And I said, if he drove up now, I'd just go shake his hand. She about fell out. And Baptists don't fall out. <laughs> There's a true story. Because God dealt with my heart. How many are listening? See, and God put his finger on that. He said, you have animosity in your heart and hatred and bitterness. And, and he knew I was serious about my commitment that I confessed. Unfortunately, I was that wild thinking. So, I mean, I'm just glad I got a hold of that before something came to pass that would have been detrimental to me and him. And even if, you know, he was able to defend himself, we might have both got hurt pretty bad. You got to realize that you can't live like that in bitterness. You can't live like that. I could teach you how you know, 20 ways to get healed, but you're not going to get any of them because you're full of bitterness. You don't want what you deserve. You want what's being offered. Get it in your mind that you're coming to God just empty-handed except saying, Jesus, I need health. I need healing. Heal my body. I'm asking you to do it in the name of Jesus. And have somebody lay hands on you or whatever, you know, whatever way you choose. Okay, so that's three of those things. Let me say again, answers your questions. Feeds your faith, puts you in position to receive. And number four, helps you meet the conditions. The Bible helps you meet the conditions. We know that faith is, says you believe when you pray, not when you feel better. You believe you pray not when you get the money's laying on the table that you're believing for. It's not there yet, that's why you're praying. But you have to believe that it's on the way. You have to believe it's coming. And it will come. It'll come. All of it will come. I'm not just mean all the money. I just mean whatever you're believing for. If you're in faith, it'll come to pass. Amen. <laughs> I like that. All right. Let's look at something else here real quick a minute. Does sickness glorify God? How many times have you heard somebody say that? Matthew chapter 9 over here. Let's go back a minute. I'm doing a little teaching and, and some other things I'm saying. I'm not sure what all I'm saying right now, but I just trying to get this out and taught a little better so we can see it. Uh, does sickness glorify God? You know, I've had people act like that this person had this or that because God did that to them to see what they would do. Now, God is not that stupid. God is not that stupid. And he never teaches the church with instruments of the devil. I mean, if God really did what people said he did, we ought to lock him up forever. I remember I read an article from people in Chicago locked their kids in a dog cage and fed them like that until somebody figured it out and they went in and busted them. They went to prison. Thank God. But people blame God of even much worse than that, killing their children. People like that are sick. Mentally, they don't realize it, but they don't know anything. Say stuff like that about my father. I'm just glad I'm saved or I might throw you on the ground. <laughs> He'd never done anything like that. He never does, never will, because God is love. Amen. All right. So we're talking, what are we saying here? Does sickness glorify God? Here in chapter 9, there was this man. It says here, a man, verse 2, 
sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Verse 3, And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. The scribes were religious people, but they weren't Bible people. They weren't word people. They were religious people. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, what, what, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise and take up thy bed and go into thy house. So he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such, the real word there is authority, unto men. So God didn't get any glory until the man got raised up. He didn't get any glory out of being sick. That's not true. It's just not true. So God doesn't get glory out of people's infirmities. All that really shows some of us, like me and some others, that the devil's still alive. Trying to work his work on people. And you need to resist him. How do you do that? You bind him and say, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Command you to get your stuff and get up out of here. Now, you can't just take me as an example and just run home and do that, and you've never said that before in your life. You've not practiced anything in faith in that, and you feel insecure about saying that. I know all that stuff because I went through all those things when I first learned this. But I'm not insecure anymore. Yeah. I know some things about demons and what they do and what they won't do, and they'll do what I tell them to do. It's just get out or come out of somebody. Now, I'll tell you a true story. I prayed for a lady in my church long time ago, and I said, come out of her in the name of Jesus, and the Spirit came out, and he stopped about three feet away and went right back in her. And I said to her, I said, uh, Mary, you've got a problem. She says, what do you mean? I said, well, you've got something against somebody. That's what I'm seeing in the Spirit, and you need to confess it, or I'm not going to pray for you. Just go on home tonight. Well, I didn't think you'd talk to me that. Well, I didn't think that you'd be obstinate with me. You're going to fess up to get free? Because I saw that devil come out on my command. He went right back in because you left the door open. And it has to do with resentment of somebody you're close to. Do I have to tell you? Yes. Yes, you have to tell me. Because I'm going to prove that I'm right. She said, yeah, I got a bad thing about my husband. I said, well, just forgive him. Will you pray that with me? She said, yeah, I guess so. See, she's, not, she's all scrambled in her head. I said, Father, I said, say this with Father, I forgive my husband for whatever he's done, and I'm going to go home and walk in faith with him, walk in love with him. And she got done, said amen, that spirit walked out. I never had to say again, come out. It had to obey because the door was shut. Of course, I operate in discerning of spirits when that's on me. Not every single day, but I had that vision and saw that happen. And realized I'd already gave the faith command, but if she's holding on to resentment, he's staying. That's his place to live. He was betting she wasn't going to repent. But she did, and she got delivered. <laughs> Praise God. So people get, God gets glory when people get healed. See? When's the last time you left church and everybody just in amazement shaking your head? I can't believe that happened today. Did you see that? <laughs> That's what we should be doing, at least periodically. Maybe not every Sunday, but some Sunday. Or Wednesday. Hey. All right, let me talk to you just a minute or two more about a couple of things here.
And uh, first of all, I wanted to go back here with you to Psalm 103. You got a few minutes, don't you? You're not going to see this on TV tonight. Probably not. I mean, I'm not sure about some of the Christian shows anymore anyway, but anyway, I'll be, be sweet. Um, because, you know, what they do is somebody's on there teaching healing and the next speaker gets up for the next deal and he teaches against healing. <laughs> and the people, the poor audience is confused. Psalm 103, what did I say, 103. Yeah, 103, yeah. And let me read down through here a minute, starting in verse 1 to verse 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And what I did when I saw that, not at first, but I began to meditate on it 25 years ago, all that is within me, I began to say, Father, let my liver bless you. Let my stomach bless you. Let my heart bless you. Let my brains bless you. And I started naming things in my body. Let my bones bless you. They can't bless you if I have arthritis. I didn't bring God any glory. And a lot of times it's not always because of hatred or bitterness with arthritis, but it is with a lot of people. That's the way they started to get it. And they began to resent people and be mean to people and ugly. Maybe they didn't say it enough, but it was in their head. And it gets in your heart and then you're in trouble. I'm just trying to help you. If, it, you don't, if none of this affects you, that's great. I, but I'm giving you some ammunition that you could help other people. So Psalm 103, let me see here. Okay. Uh, and so I began to say stuff like that. And then bless the Lord, verse 2, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's going to give us a list of them. We're only going to go to verse 5 right now. But who forgiveth all thine iniquities, that's sin, of whatever nature it, it, it is, God will forgive you. You know, I was in a church, this is Tennessee, but I was in another city in Tennessee maybe four or five years ago. And I, <laughs> I never teach about this. I know about it. Abortion. And uh, a friend of ours that has a girl's home, him and his wife, there's about 30 girls live there. He brings them over to my meetings, these girls, these young ladies, 18 to 30, I think it is, something like that. And I got talking about abortion. Normally I never talk about abortion. Now on an individual basis of ministering to somebody and counseling, how many are listening? I don't want you to fall asleep on me. And... I got down the prayer line to this one young lady, and she was fall apart. She was just bawling, and I said, honey, what's the matter with you? She said, you know, I've had ten abortions already, and I just don't see how God would love me. I said, honey, it's just simple. It's not complicated. Will you pray this with me? Yes, sir. Father, forgive me for doing what I did to my babies. And I said, you're forgiven. It wouldn't matter if you had aborted a hundred of them. What does this say? God forgives what he wants to forgive and lets the rest of us go to hell. No. Listen to what I'm saying. That young lady, she couldn't have been 30 years old, barely. Or maybe she started when she's 15. I don't know. I didn't ask all those questions. It's irrelevant. I'm trying to get her normal in her brain where she feels accepted and loved from God. And I'm not preaching to you. If you've done it, just repent. See, God doesn't make this, remember, you don't want what you deserve. You want what he's offering. He's offering us forgiveness from anything that we've done. And, and, and you know, I led her in a prayer and then laid hands on her and blessed her and said, you're going to be all right. He said, really? I said, really, you're going to be all right. Let me move on a little bit. And heals all your diseases. Now, I want to I read down through here. These are several translations of this verse down here. I think it's, well... Let's see, verse 5 particularly. Your youth is renewed like an eagle's. 
And this, this other one is in uh, verse 2 and 5. says, it, he cures the wound which inwardly bleeds. So see, there's people that sometimes are sick because they have inner wounds. Where'd they get that? Probably from somebody that abused them or somebody misused them or they misunderstood and got offended. And if you don't deal with offense, it just boils up in you and then explodes. I know what I'm talking about. I call them haters. I've had them in my church. They never want to agree with anything I preach. They want to cause me problems. I say, listen, either repent or just leave my church. I got some ushers big enough to handle you. I might handle you myself. But I got some ushers that can handle you. If you fool with me, I'll put a restraining order on you. Because I'm going to tell you the key to this so you don't think I'm a meanie weenie. When people are predators, I don't put up with that nonsense. I'm not a pastor anymore, so I might just beat you up right now. But, oh, I'm sorry. What did I say? <laughs> no, I'm not beating up anybody. But there were some predators in my church, and when I questioned them and told them I would help them if they wanted delivered, one guy stood up and said, you can go to hell. I said, you're going first. And he went out the door and I said, don't ever come back in my church again or I'll have you thrown out. I know you just think all of us are sweeties. But see now, if you don't want it, you want to be a smart elec. All right. Yeah. He cures the wound which inwardly bleeds and eagle like our youth renews. He sustains like the eagle that soars and flies, listen, on powerful updrafts of air, effortless, beautiful there. See, that's out of verse 5 here. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Could it be renewed at 72? Yeah, I'm walking in it. At least a level of it. Maybe not the fullness, but I'm pushing this is not fairy tale. This is not Disney World. This is the Bible. Mm. Now listen to this, just to help us see how, you know, remember, remember, be a, a Hebrews 8, 6 person the rest of your life. And that verse says, we have a better covenant, talking about the new covenant, better covenant with better promises. So whatever they had back here, we can have that, but even better. So I'm going to read you Psalm 105, verse 37. When they came out of Egypt, he said he brought them forth with silver and gold. And I'm going to read the second part of this verse on several translations. Is that okay? Yeah, thank you. It says, uh, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Not one feeble person. Not one feeble person. Here's the same trans a different translation. With no one among his tribes were stumbling. There was not an infirm one among their tribes. That's a different translation. Not a man in his tribes became faint. None of them stumbled or fell behind. Not one was left behind forgotten, for all were blessed with health. Another translation says they were enriched with vigorous health. <laughs> now think, that's Old Testament. I was in a church one time, I think I was telling uh, Pastor... Uh, Pastor Alvin and Pastor Keith today about it. And they had a piece of paper in the back of a pew. I was visiting somewhere. And they had a piece of paper in the back of a pew for people that they wanted you to pray for that were sick or in the hospital. And they had 770 names on that. You know why? They never taught healing. 
Just thought you'd like to know that. So our kind of churches at least should begin to get to a place. Now you have new people coming in all the time. I'm just trying to explain. I'm not stupid. I understand it. When somebody comes in and they don't know anything except what is the Bible? What kind of Bible should I have? I don't know. Just go find one you can read and understand. That's the important thing. You don't have to be King Jimmy. You know King James people. <clears throat> but if they get in a church like this, they can come in. Really, I'd rather have somebody that's just an old burnout drug addict like I was because they don't care. They want to learn something. And they're hungry. They know the way they live didn't work. And <laughs> I knew that. All right. So we're talking here about God has a place for everybody. And even in the Old Testament, think about even under a lesser covenant than what we have. They had the blood of an animal. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care how many names Jehovah had in the Old Testament. There's one name above every name, and that's Jesus. <laughs> I mean, God cut to the quick and got us in good shape, really condensed-wise. I'm preaching real good. I, I'm liking this myself. I might buy this tape myself. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Let me mention this, and then, then I'm going to close with you. You getting anything yet? Now, this is something people say uh, traditionally, it's not scriptural, but they say it. Well, they say, uh, some say God is teaching me something. You ever had somebody tell you that? God put that person through that to teach him something. Well, why would he use implements that hurt people to teach? Now listen to what I'm saying. I want you to really pay attention. That would be like me telling you because your children need to learn something. When they get off the bus tomorrow in the morning, they're going to have a bat and hit them in the knee in the bat when they get off the bus. You'd be down at City Hall. You'd probably bring your gun with you. What's wrong with these people? They're punishing my children. That's what they're we're accusing God of. If he does stuff that they say he does, he's putting all kinds of bad stuff on us. No, that's not our father. Remember, God is loved. Now, you can violate things until you get in trouble and the devil takes off on you because he has an inroad. It says give the devil what? No place. No opportunity. Don't give him an inch. He'll take a mile. So you have to resist the devil and realize who's doing what. That's right. But I want to say something real quick here. There's three things in the Bible that I found that teaches you. Number one, the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us that. About the Bible for reproof, correction, and so forth. It lists us. So the Bible is the thing teaching me. The reading the Bible and listening to the Bible will teach me what I need to know. I might not learn it all in one day, but I can learn and go from one day to the next day to the next day to the next day. Now, I'm somebody who's talking with some experience. I did so many drugs at one time, I think my brain was just blown. I, I don't know. I mean, I couldn't remember what I ate the night before when I first got married. And my wife said, you know, to me, and not in fun, she's being serious. What's wrong with your brain? I said, I don't know what you mean. Well, you couldn't tell me what you had for dinner last night. And I, I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I think the drug addiction's done it to me. But, you know, I asked God, I said, I'm going to be your child. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm asking you to heal my brain, heal my mind, heal whatever that is. It doesn't, doesn't work right. I don't, I don't like to feel impaired like this. It makes me feel funny. And you know he started healing me. And my wife said to me after about six months, you know you were talking to that guy about Jesus. You quoted 15 scriptures, Michael. 
I said, oh, I did. Yeah, I counted them. You, you quoted 15 scriptures. Your mind certainly is capable of learning things if you could remember 15. Just talk to one guy. So what held me? The word got in my brain, got in my mind, and got in my mouth. And little by little, God began to help me. And now I have an earned doctorate. I'm not trying to impress you, but I'm just telling you, I'm no dummy now. And really, the dummy was me for doing that to myself. I mean, have anybody to blame? Not the guy that sold me the dope or whatever. It was just my own fault. So the Word of God is the number one thing that teaches us. Number two, the Spirit of God. John 14, 26, where Jesus said, The Spirit will come and He will teach you all things. He knows how to teach you things. He knows how to bring things back to your remembrance that He's already spoken. And number three is the fivefold ministry gifts teach you. That's Ephesians 4, 8-11. And the Bible says they're being given to mature us to where we're walking in the fullness of what we should have. Hallelujah. Are you listening? Yes. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go here. I'm, I'm trying to figure out which way I want to go. Now let's go to Luke 5, and I'll be my last scripture. I've been going for a while. I know maybe it's not a giant revelation to you, but it's, it's helpful. And uh, these are simple things I'm saying, but how profound. And I'm just shocked sometimes at how people don't realize stuff. They just don't realize it. I was on an airplane a couple of years ago. I may have told this here before, but I'm going to tell it again. I'm in Luke 5. I'm going to give you a verse in just a second. And we were up 30,000 feet, and the stewardess got on the, you know, the... Mike and said, is anybody here a doctor? There's somebody having a seizure back here in the plane. We were on a small jet, two seats here and one seat here in a little narrow walkway. And so I'm not a medical doctor, but I thought, well, I'd like to pray for whoever that is behind me. And she came by me again, and I tapped her and tapped her on the shoulder. And I said, I'm a preacher. I'd be glad to go back and pray for whoever's sick back there if they'd like me to. And she went, they want you. <laughs> And I came back, and his wife was sitting on the aisle, and she said, oh, thank God you're here. And I looked at him. He had his eyes rolled up in his head, you know, with white stuff coming out of his mouth. He was rolling around. And I said, let me get to him. I laid my hand. I didn't say, now, everybody pay attention. I'm going to pray. <laughs> but I didn't do one of these things. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command that to stop. And just like that, he quit doing all that, and his eyes rolled back to normalcy. And so I said to her, I said, do you have a Bible with you, you or your husband? No, I said, when you get off this plane in the airport, they may have a Bible in the gift center there, but if not, get a car and go somewhere and find a bookstore and buy you a Bible. And I'm going to go back to my seat, and I'm going to write down about ten scriptures on healing, and I'll bring it back to you. So you know, and just read these every day to him and yourself. She said, we're Catholics. I said, God loves Catholics. <laughs> he does. And they believe for miracles better than us. We do sometimes. I mean, the Catholics, they do. Hallelujah. All right, Luke 5, and verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching. He's talking about Jesus. And we know what he was teaching was the Word. He tells us the same story in Mark 2. The same story, and he said he was in the house teaching the word, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. 
See, he, he, was, he came and taught the Word, just like I've done my part to try to teach you tonight, the Word, the best I can. And there's power to heal you tonight. Power in, there's power in me and on me to help you, but there's power in what you've received and listened to me say that will help your thinking be sound concerning receiving. You're not earning it. It's what's being offered. Jesus is a healer, and he's the same. Listen to me, yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I know there's people that don't receive. There's plenty of people that don't receive anything I preach. I can't help people if they don't receive it. That's not my part to make them receive. I can't, if I could receive for other people, I would. You know, I'm just talking some truth here. But you cannot do everything for everybody. I'm talking to you, man. You need to listen. You know, somebody, you're going to have to learn how to pray right. You're going to have to learn how to confess the word right. Well, I don't know anything about it. Well, then I'd get busy. Get somebody's material that has some understanding of that and read it. And then start doing that. Or make a little list from wherever you're at in your Bible. In the New Testament, preferably. And write that down with a pen and paper and just go over that. And then add new things to it. Every day I get up and say, Father, I thank you for the angels that have charge over me. You do that because you wrote your book? I did that because I'm smart. Yes. Not because I wrote a book. Gosh. No, I do that because I believe in them and they are assisting me in my earth walk. And I'm telling you, we're right on the edge of the biggest revival the earth has ever seen. I'm telling you that as a prophet of God. I've seen it. It's coming. And there's additional angels being sent to help us in this revival. And there's already started some new songs by people I didn't even know were alive on the planet in the last three months. I just found some of them out, like Naomi Rainey. Oh my gosh, that lady ting hits all my bells and gives me a hundred. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. My daughter rings my bell too. So does Tiffany, sitting right here. But those girls know me, and Naomi, I've never met her, but she started singing. I went, what? I was at my daughter's house. I said, you need to listen to this lady sing, Dad. And so she sang a little, you know, part of a song, and I said, wow, she's really good. He said, oh, Dad, she's just warming up. You just sit still. <laughs> and sure enough, she, she was singing with Joe Barnes, The Promises, and oh, my gosh, I don't know if any of you have heard her. She is such an anointed lady to sing. Such an anointed. And what I'm saying to you is, and uh, what's the Maverick City group? And uh, what's the main guy's name? Chandler, Brandon Lake. Man, I mean, and God's bringing new music on the scene. And this is not against Bill and Gloria. God bless them. <laughs> no, I'm being honest with you. I, I've been moved on by the Holy Ghost watching them because I care about Jesus. And when they're singing a song, not all the songs, but occasionally a song, then I'm, I'm being blessed. I just lift my hands and cry with them. But I mean, there's such a newness of music and preaching and people all coming on the scene. And I'm coming on the scene again. <laughs> the help in this revival. <laughs> so, would you stand up with me a minute? Praise God.